Hi, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Tigers and Takedowns podcast. My name's James, one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my co-host today, Morgan. Hi, everyone. We are so excited to be launching this podcast that covers mostly Mizzou wrestling, but uh, from a national end. So a little bit about us. We are actually engaged. Fiancés, yes. you may say. Yes. I write co- about college wrestling. I cover Mizzou specifically for MissouriWrestling.com, and then I do some stuff for Intermat, another popular wrestling website. And I was converted when we started dating. Um, Turns out once a wrestler, always a wrestler. I'm sure a lot of people can agree to that. So uh, when I started dating James, uh, wrestling was part of the deal, and I couldn't be more happy that it was because I think wrestling is one of the coolest sports that I've ever uh, had the chance to watch and cover. I've learned a lot about it in my uh, short time being a fan, uh, so we cannot be more excited to bring this podcast to you and bring a little more coverage to Missouri wrestling. Yeah, Morgan's been watching wrestling for almost four seasons now. Yep. Um, I've been watching college wrestling for like over a decade, but really started to uh, get into it over the past couple of years. Started a Mizzou blog last year, just because I didn't feel like there was a lot of coverage out there, but now... There's going to be a lot of written coverage. There's Matt Smith over on Rock M who's doing good stuff, and I work with him. And then Ben Ramirez now works with Flow Wrestling, and he's doing great. So this is just another way for, hopefully, Mizzou Wrestling to just get some more local and national ears on them. Ears and eyes. So with that, I say let's uh, get right into it and talk about kind of where we are at the season, uh, at this point in the season. So Mizzou has had two duels so far. They had the Lindenwood uh, duel. That was the duel on the softball field, if you saw the coverage of that. Mm-hmm. Very um, good. Not too exciting of a duel as far as competitiveness goes, but a really great showing for the Tigers and a really cool experience to be able to be out on the softball field and having an outdoor duel. I think that a lot of fans really enjoyed that. There was a huge crowd, so great to see that, and I'm sure they're going to keep that up in seasons to come. Then in between, uh, there was the inaugural Tiger-style invite. That was at Staley High School yep, in Kansas where City. E- where the Elams are from. Yeah, that's where the Elams wrestled in high school, uh, Rocky and Zach. Yep. That was a cool tournament that happened. Um, Mizzou sent about two guys at every weight, is that correct? Uh, yeah, they sent two guys at every weight, except 184 were, you know, they're stacked there, so they went ahead and sent three. There were some really great matches that came out of uh, that uh, Tiger style invites, so we won't cover it too much, but we hope to see that in years to come. I think that with it being in Kansas City, it's a great place for those outside teams to make it to, but it also draws a really good Mizzou crowd. Yeah, I think that both the Lindenwood duel and the Tiger style invite are two things that we'll probably see kind of come in the future. Lindenwood is transitioning to D1, um, and they have a men and women's team that has been really competitive on the on the Division Two level, and they've you know, they're, it'll take a couple of years to kind of get there, but they, they'll be they'll be competitive sooner than later. And then the Tiger Style invite, it was really successful. They had a lot of really good teams. I, I think it's awesome to have something like that, especially early in the season. A lot of our guys got some ranked wins or at least got to see some ranked wrestlers. Uh, with the new freshman rules, red shirts can now compete five times as true freshmen without losing the red shirt and Mizzou took full advantage of that and uh so that was really awesome to see that was I think that was a good experience for for a lot of teams you know Maryland was there their former or their head coach is a former assistant coach for Mizzou Alex Clemson and and they're doing great and then getting some local schools 
uh, it was a really good event all around. Um, and I, like I said, I don't think it'll be the last time we see something like that. But kind of moving on to the Arizona State, I think we were kind of hoping to come in on a big win, but it didn't exactly go our way. Final score was Arizona State 19, Mizzou 17. And I think that that sounds like a a close duel, and I think that's because it was. But there were some, there were really some spots where I think Mizzou could have pulled out and could have shined a little bit more. It was really interesting how it all shook out, and we're gonna break it down a little bit. But first, want to mention that you know if you were looking to watch the Arizona State duel this past week, you probably had a little bit of trouble. We know that we did. <laughs> yeah. So. This was Arizona State. They have a new facility for, I think it's like hockey and volleyball and wrestling in Mullet Arena. And uh, I guess they don't have the internet there figured out yet. So we saw maybe half of the duel in total. It was pretty in and out. We saw one Bud Light ad on repeat for probably 30 plus times. And and the most frustrating part was, you know, it wasn't the time in between, uh, you know, when people were picking top bottom, it wasn't in between the matches itself. It would be that the stream would be like, oh, Rocky's in on a takedown. And then cut to a Bud Light ad. So yeah. it was a very frustrating stream. Fans um, in different forums and on Twitter that we saw kind of shared and lamented in the inability to watch this duel. But we got a pretty good idea of what happened, and we're able to keep up with the play-by-play on the uh, on Twitter as well. Yeah, so kind of just jumping right into it, it was not great early. Um, Mizzou dropped the first four matches, including being upset in three of those matches, on paper at least. Uh, just starting at 125 pounds, certain loss to Rishi Figueroa, who is not ranked, but only because the guy ahead of him is a former finalist, uh, the typical starter. But Figueroa is, is a very good wrestler who would probably be challenging for an All-American spot. You know, certain was competitive, but just couldn't really get his offense going, and that kind of set up the theme of the night, at least early on. Alan Hart and Brock Mahler were both upset at 141 and 149. But uh, before we get to that, um, Connor Brown... Didn't want, uh, didn't win either at 133. But I actually think that that was a very interesting match to watch. The final was 5-4 to that, and that was against McGee, who's number four in the country. Um, and I would say that Connor Brown, he's ranked number 26, but he <clears throat> actually came really close, as the score indicates, and he was really um, aggressive and going for his own, uh, trying to create his own offense against a really tough opponent. Yeah, Connor Brown, he is a, he's a, very exciting wrestler to watch because you're never 100% sure what he's going to do next. Um, he had a really close match with McGee last season, and he actually beat him, I think, in 2018 when both guys were at different schools. The past two years that they've wrestled, Brown's been really good at scoring reversals and, and nearly putting McGee on his back. But, you know, McGee is a two-time All-American. He's super tough, and it's just, you know, hard to... To pull something like that out. Yeah, as much as, you know, you see that 5-4 score and you're like, ah, oh, I wish that that could have been a win for us. It was actually a really um, impressive performance. It makes me excited to see Connor Brown against even more tough competition later mm-hmm. in the season. Yeah, Brown's already faced two multiple-time All-Americans this season in Mikhail McGee and Lucas Bird. And it's he's had a rough schedule so far, but he's looked solid in both. So hopefully he just keeps moving from that. Now, 141's um, a bit of a different story. Yeah, 
141 and 149 were pretty frustrating. You know, I I thought Hart was doing exactly kind of what he needed to do to get a win here, but just he was facing Jesse Vasquez, who's ranked 24, and there was short time left, and Vasquez was just all over him, and Hart gave up a takedown. Short time, like I think within 15, 10 seconds. I, of I the think end it of the, was of I, the match. I think Vasquez got in on a shot with five seconds left. Just a heartbreaker to to let that happen and. Yeah, like Hart. Last season, it was kind of a similar thing where Hart kind of struggled to get some of his offense going, at least early. He suffered an upset loss, I believe, against Northern uh, Iowa in the duel. And he bounced back from that really well, you know. He wrestled at the scuffle and was super offensive. And for the most part, the rest of the season did really well. So hopefully a loss like this, this early, can help him bounce back and and keep going on the season. Because, you know, Vasquez was a tough opponent, but he's Hart is going to have to face quite a few guys ranked higher than that at the, on the schedule right now. And Hart is an awesome and explosive wrestler. He definitely has it. Um, we just weren't able to see it against Arizona State, but hopefully you're right, and we'll see it later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And then Mahler got upset by number six, Kyle Parco. Yeah, um, a little closer rankings there. Yeah, Parco is a two-time All-American. Mahler actually beat him in 2021 when Parco was at Fresno State. But this was just kind of somewhat similar match in that Mahler just never really got his offense going. You know, if if the, now he took a redshirt year last season, he hasn't wrestled a ton of folk style still uh, since coming back. So hopefully, it's just kind of getting back into the rhythm of things against a super tough opponent who. You know, I am sure that Parco remembers that loss. I was to about to say, I am a big believer in a revenge match, and sometimes those things stick with you until the next time you get to face a guy. Yeah, definitely hope that Mahler looks more aggressive in the future. He's got a he. His defense is awesome. He's got such a good counter style, but sometimes when he's down, he can kind of struggle to to score, especially late. But you know, he had most of the third period to try to get one and he he wasn't able to force a stall call or anything and so it's like that does kind of not leave a great taste in your mouth after a match like that but Mahler's a veteran you know the coaching staff is going to know you know this is not a new thing for Mahler to kind of struggle getting his offense going sometimes so hopefully it's just kind of similar to Hart like hey you know tough loss learn from it Let's get that offense going, you know. Let's start scoring early. And speaking of scoring early and scoring often, uh, in our next match at 157, Jared Jakehues decided to make up some points for the team. Jakehues did not have a ranked opponent in this match, um, but he still managed to get a tech. 25-9 was the final score of that match. Yeah, Jakehues, you know, I think if you ask even him, you know, you listen to interviews with him, he talks about how last season he had double-digit losses. Most of them were by one or two points, a lot of overtime losses, and just this mental block of getting his offense going. He's talked a lot about just trying to relax and just wrestle free. And, I mean, he looked great. Like, he wasn't against a ranked opponent. He was facing someone named Max Wilner. Typically, Arizona State has a. All-American here in Ja'Cory Teamer, but he is out for the season with a torn pec, is what I hear. But Jake Hughes, you know, 
he knew that Mizzou needed some momentum, and he came out. I think he literally took a shot off the whistle and started to score. And didn't stop until until the match was over. Yeah, it was the third period, and he just... he You could tell at times he he was looking towards the coaches and was, and was kind of like, do you want me to look for a pin or like... And I think he just kind of stuck with the takedowns and was kind of looking for a cradle in the third period. But, you know, Wilner was, he knew what to do. He knew what his job was, you know, in a 1917 duel at one point, who knows how important something like that is, especially at that point in the match. So, but Jake Hughes looked great. I was really happy. I think everyone should be really happy with how he's looking so far this season. Yeah, very impressive. And then, no surprise at 165, another impressive match from national champion Keegan O'Toole. Yeah, we so this is kind of when the stream really started to go out of whack, but... Yeah, o- we saw very little of that. Of that match. Yeah, O'Toole facing a very solid opponent in Tony Negron, who's ranked 18th. He's a Penn State transfer, so you know that he's been in some really good rooms at this point. And O'Toole beat him 17-1. I mean, he scored near fall multiple times. He scored takedowns. Uh, At the invite, it kind of seemed like O'Toole was kind of struggling to get his offense going at times against ranked opponents. But, I mean, he still got pins in the end. But it's awesome to see him get such a dominant tech where you just see him scoring and scoring and scoring. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know that I have much more to say about that one. Just a solid O'Toole performance. Um, I'm sure that every single match that he walks away from where he doesn't get a pin, he wish, he think, he feels like he left a little bit out on the map, but I thought that that was very impressive and once again gave Mizzou some much-needed points to kind of make up the deficit. Yeah, you know, he's he's gunning for the Hodge. There's some tough candidates this year, but you know that he's an Askren prodigy. The Hodge is on his mind, and right now I, I am pretty sure he has a 100% bonus rate. And then another AWA guy, Ashburn Wrestling guy after that, Peyton Mako. Another match we didn't see too much of, but what we did see, he looked really good. He looked awesome, and I I love watching Peyton Mako wrestle. He's got such a cool, sometimes stressful style, um, and we got to see very little of it, but ended up getting a major. So that's three bonus wins in a row for Mizzou, and Mako looked great. That was 14-4 was the final score of that one, so he wasn't giving up much in exchange for those points that he was scoring. No, I think in those three matches, the only points that Arizona State scored were escapes. Um, Mako got near fall on the edge in a, a very unique cradle. Uh, you could on the stream, you could hear what sounded like Jared Jacobs going, "What is that?" on the sidelines, and you could hear the commentators trying to figure out what move they were going to try to call what he did. Um, I think that they said it was a combination of at least three moves that they knew. Yeah. Um, that And that's the kind of wrestling that he does. He is not afraid to get into uncomfortable and sometimes dangerous positions because he is so comfortable with getting into those scrambles and then coming out on top. Yeah, he's, you know, he's one of those guys that Mizzou is going to need to make the podium this year and he bounced back in a big way after losing in the invite finals. So that was good. But and at this point Mizzou had taken the lead, looking good. It was like, okay, get some momentum back. You got a chance because you know at heavyweight it's going to be a really tough match. And going to 184 pounds, kind of surprisingly, at least I thought, we saw Sean Harmon there. Yeah, let's talk about this 184-pound Mizzou lineup right now because it's actually kind of an interesting and ongoing conversation. So Mizzou's got three really talented wrestlers at 184. Mm -hmm. Um, So the wrestler that's been the starter 
so far in the season is Sean Harmon. He wrestled uh, last year a few times at 174. Got some um, big wins. Yeah, to fill in for Peyton Mako and had some very impressive wins. So he's been the starter so far at 184. But there's also Colton Hawks. Top 50 recruit, world team member on the junior, I believe on the junior world team. And he's had really close matches against All-Americans. And then there's also Clayton Whiting. Yeah, he he is a top recruit, four-time Wisconsin State champ, another Askin wrestling guy. He, as a high school senior, beat Iowa's Abe Assad in an open tournament in a very impressive win. He, you know, he has, all, and all three of these guys now have wrestled each other. Yeah, they've uh, had a chance at the black and gold duel. Uh, that's where all the Mizzou wrestlers wrestled each other, and there were some mixed results there. And then they also ended up placing first, second, and third at 184 as a Tiger-style invite. But that came with Hawks at number one, beating Sean Harmon, and then Whiting at number three. Yeah, so every time any of these three wrestle each other, it is a one-point match. Harmon beat Whiting in the black and gold duel 3-2. to two. Um, Hawks beat Harmon 5-4 uh, to four in the finals. And then I believe he beat Whiting by one point as well. I don't fully remember that match off the top. Yeah, I think it was a one-point win. But, you know, these guys kind of have similar styles in that they are very heavy-handed. They are super explosive, very strong. I think Hawks is probably the best on top. I really thought that we would see him here. In fact, the commentators for Arizona State kept mm-hmm. calling Harmon Hawks. They thought Hawks was starting. So it kind of seemed like a surprise to the team as well. Yeah, you know, Hawks has struggled with injuries. So that's kind of why we haven't seen him wrestle too much. He wrestled in the scuffle last year and he did okay. Kind of, I don't think he placed, but he, he's always seen someone like someone whose ceiling is so high. So back to the duel, we they faced Anthony Montalvo. So he is also a transfer. Arizona State rocking with a lot of transfers. But Montalvo came in from Oklahoma State. In 2020, He, I believe he was a true freshman, and he was the nine seed for NCAAs at 184 pounds. Uh, and he is someone that struggled with injuries, kind of fell off the map for a lot of fans. But, you know, now he's... He's in a new school, in a new environment, appears to be healthy. He he kind of got decked, actually, in his last match against a true freshman from Rutgers. So I really liked Mizzou's chances here. But again, it was kind of the same thing. Harmon just could not really get any offense going. And this was a low-scoring <clears throat> match. The final was 3-2. So it wasn't like Montalvo kind of ran away with it by any means. Mm-hmm. But Sean was not generating any of his own offense, really, at this point. Or his, at least his shots weren't really going through. Well, and this is one thing, going back to like difficulties with the stream, that really sucks. Is because as the match started, Harmon was in on a leg very quickly and had it up. And then the stream cut out. And then when we came back, somehow Montalvo had scored. Um, not really sure if it was off of Harmon's shot or, or what that situation looked like. So early... Harmon was close uh, from what we saw, from the little bit that we saw. But then he just kind of, he had a hard time getting out. And then when he did get out, it was kind of the same thing with Hart, where I think he forced one stall call, but it kind of felt like he should have been able to force more. Montalvo was happy to just kind of sit in the middle of the middle of the mat and just and then kinda... circle around the edge as well when Harmon would kind of press him a little yeah like and it's one of those things when we say you know Harmon struggled to get his offense going it's not like Montalvo was 
was out there making it easy. You know, he he was blocking off. He was he was content to just hang out and play really good defense and do just enough to to not get called for stalling. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of one of those ones where you watch and you're like, damn, like kind of it feels like we're right there. And and that was what kind of the whole night felt like. Yeah, it was was so close. I mean, if you look back, most of the losses were just by one point, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. And there's there's no way to say that if someone other than Harmon was the starter here that the result would be any different yeah. at all. Um, Harmon is an extremely <clears throat> strong and talented wrestler. And I think that if, you know, you read this match, Harmon could easily be be the winner next time. Absolutely. 184 pounds is a tough weight class because, in my opinion, from watching wrestling for as long as I have, I feel like at college wrestling, 184 pounds is one of those weights where you typically have a top three, four-ish guys, but then anywhere from five to 20 all feel super competitive. And Hawks was, or Harmon was ranked, and then they ranked Hawks, and so it's kind of been back and forth, but they were both around 15, 16 and so it's just, uh, it is a absolute meat grinder of a weight. You got to be tough. You got to be gritty. And like Morgan said, it, you wrestle this match ten more times. Who knows what that kind of plays out at? Or even if you throw Hawks in there, I don't know that that is like, oh, Hawks would have would have got a win or Whiting or anything like that. I think that Mizzou has three. I think Whiting will stay in redshirt. I think that's a good plan for him. But I think between Harmon and Hawks, that Mizzou has two really quality guys there. Absolutely. And I think that I'll be excited to see who gets those starts going forward. I think Mizzou fans should be happy with either one. I think both are talented wrestlers. But I'm interested to see who gets the start moving forward. I Yeah, I I would not be surprised to see this kind of go back and forth. And, and you know, there will probably be more ranking matches in the room. Um, but both guys will probably go to the scuffle and that could be kind of where it's decided that's a big tournament and a lot of times coaches just like to put two guys in a tournament and and be like hey who looks better you know win your spot not necessarily against a guy that you know super well but prove that you can beat these other nationally ranked guys yeah and the scuffle's in a great time of the season too it's it's uh right at the beginning of january so Mm -hmm. you're kind of shaking off the cobwebs a little bit and you're about to go into some of the really tough portion of your season after yeah, that absolutely that'll be that'll be really good and mizzou has not had these kind of like lineup battles like this in in a couple years like yeah always really clear starters for yeah. each of these positions with great backups <laughs> in the room and great backups in case someone gets injured but not something where where they're this close and kind of just going around and and beating each other back and forth yeah like i i can only imagine how how those practice room sessions must go or even their wrestle offs because these guys all like I said, all three of these guys, super tough hand fighters, very strong, and they are in your face for all seven minutes. But That's move. our small tangent. Yeah. About, about 184 that, pounds. I that's Mizzou's most interesting weight right now. Um but moving on, Rocky made his debut. He had missed the invite and the Lindenwood duel. Just kind of sounded like the coaches wanted to give him some time to make sure he was 100%. You know, he's got, he had a big match here. He's got a big match at the All-Star next week, but he looked great. Yeah, I I think so too. This was kind of, you know, goes back to the JQs and O'Toole matches. Like this looked highly competitive. It looked like he was in his element. He didn't really look like he hadn't wrestled so far this season. He He came out and looked just as strong as he did, you know, in uh, matches last season, he ended up with an 8-2 win over Cordell Norfleet, who 
Norfleet is is no slouch when it comes to wrestling. Yeah. I mean, he's ranked number 17, but I don't know that that's totally reflective of how competitive he can be. Yeah, Norfleet is one of those guys that he's a four-time conference champ. He's uh, Because of the COVID year that everyone got, he's looking to make it five this year, and he I believe he's the favorite to right now. But uh, he's been a top eight seed at NCAAs. He hasn't broken through the podium yet. Uh, actually, the... In 2021, he was, I believe, the eight seed, and Rocky majored him in the consolation bracket and, and knocked him out. And in the duel last year, he beat Rocky beat him four two. For me, I Rocky is one of my favorite Mizzou wrestlers. He's he is so long and so lanky, and I love that style. And he's he he's so aggressive and good on top, just good everywhere. And you know, he finished uh, fourth last season. Which is really, I mean, that's great. You know, yeah. he finished fifth the year before, so a one-spot improvement, making the podium twice. And an All-American two times by this point in your career. like Without a red shirt? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But for me, I was kind of disappointed sometimes because I felt like, I feel like Rocky has the skills to kind of be this, a, a champ-worthy guy. And he's definitely in the hunt. But, uh... Ben Askren on FRL, another uh, wrestling show, kind of talked about how Rocky was kind of banged up last year, had some injuries late in the season. And so we were, Morty and I were kind of like, what's Rocky going to look like now? And he looked great. He looked awesome. He gave up a takedown, but just like Jake Hughes, O'Toole, and Mako, he was in on legs immediately. You know, he... It felt like he was looking for bonus. He was working on top. Uh, he came close to a turn a couple times, but never really got one. But he put on a hell of a ride. Like like she said, Norfleet is ranked 17, so it may not look like the most impressive win. But he is someone that is typically closer to a top 10, top 12 type of ranking. Also, when when you've wrestled a guy a couple of times, like he has wrestled Rocky, sometimes that can... Uh give favor to the guy who's lost mm-hmm. a couple times. They kind of get used to the style. They know what to expect. Um, but that wasn't the case here. Rocky was able to still wrestle his match and come away with a, a strong win. Yeah, I I was I was really impressed with Rocky. And I, I can't wait to, to see what he looks like going forward. Because um, next week, actually, he's got Jacob Warner, who made the finals last year uh, for Iowa at 197 pounds. He is someone with how Rocky looks. I definitely think that he can he can make that match tough. And then you know, moving on to his brother Zach. This he, was a tough one. It was. I mean, he was facing number one. You know, Colton Schultz. He he was in the finals against Gable last year. Now that Gable's out of the picture, yeah. What do you think Schultz? Yeah, who knows? But Schultz has made multiple world teams at Greco and. I saw some people online talking about how Zach like didn't have offense because he he couldn't score on Colton Schultz, and for for non wrestling fans, Colton Schultz is you know the heavyweight limit is two hundred eighty five pounds, and he's probably pretty close to that. Yeah. He is he's a large guy, and he is very athletic for his size, incredibly and, strong. Yeah, his his hips are insane. You know, he's like I said, he's been on multiple Greco world teams, and so his style at heavyweight translates so well. He's so hard to move, much less score on, like get to legs. And uh, and Zach wasn't afraid of him, though. You know, Zach 
some of Zach's best positions come from also what Schultz's best positions are. But uh, And it, at this point, the, it was coming down to this match. The duel was down to this match. And Zach wasn't afraid to let it fly. He went for some throws. He, Especially once he was behind a little. Yeah, because, I mean, why not? Like, I... I even if he had gotten pinned, you know, it would have made the the score a little more lopsided. It wouldn't look necessarily great on his record, but it wouldn't look bad. And even the fact that he was going for it, it's like, yeah, I love that. It was very impressive. I mean, they'd be locked up in, you know, overhook, underhook, and and Rocky would be, or sorry, Zach would be the one to actually go for the throw. And, you know, he didn't get it, but he went for it. And a couple of times he got Schultz down on the mat. Yeah, I mean... Uh, NCAA's last year, Zach really showed off how he could throw guys. He pinned Tay Gialdi from Campbell. Um, I mean, he he looks great. Uh, I I walked away from that match feeling good about Zach. I I liked how offensive he was. I did like how he looked. Schultz is just, you know, he's number one for a reason, and he is incredibly tough to beat. So yeah, that was kind of the duel. All around, definitely, you know, and outside of the heavyweight match, it felt like Mizzou was right there in just about every match. Yeah, there there were a few toss-ups going into it, um, and just too many of those toss-ups went to Arizona State and not Mizzou. Yeah, um, and it was all just kind of the same thing. Like, Mizzou just couldn't really get their offense going. Um, and a lot of those guys normally, like Hart and Mahler... Uh, their game is is have being really good on top, and they were good on top. And but it's hard to completely ride a guy out in college. Yeah, and and you know those things like what happened to Hart can really happen with guys at this level. Um, when you are only separated by one point or two points, that you know anything can happen in like those last moments, especially with guys like we talked about with Zach willing to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their guys were willing to go for it, including that, um, including Vasquez against Hart, who was willing to try to take that last minute shot and then ended up working in his favor. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's not a bad loss for Mizzou. Arizona state's number five. They have placed fourth at NCAAs the past two years. They're a great team, but it is one that I think, like I think just about every guy will walk away kind of feeling like I I feel like I could have done more even even the guys that got texts even the guys that looked good you know they're I'm sure that they're kind of like I should have got a pin or something and you know the this team to win in in today's NCAA's as a team you need bonus points and our guys that won did that and our guys that lost ha- absolutely have the ability to do that I, Hart was very close to to locking up his where he's really good on top with his turning positions and so i think that they they've got some time before their next duel a couple weeks and so i am sure that the team hitting a tough team like this this early is tough that's what i was saying but but early is is sometimes really beneficial for teams like this because it gives you a benchmark to know what you've got to do against tough teams coming up. Absolutely, because now Mizzou's back in the Big 12. This is not the last time they're going to be tested, you know. And so getting a test like this early is will hopefully play out really well for the team. 
Yeah, if anything, this you need to pack the Hearns because there are going to be some fireworks and some really exciting matches in, in duels coming up. We've got guys that can compete at every single weight, and they're going to, and it's going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, this team is so much fun to watch. They uh, they are so good. Like, every guy's ranked, and uh, you know we've got three All-Americans on the team already and eight guys total that have made the blood round. So just one match away from making the, making an all American spot. And, uh, they're a young team, you know, you've got Hart and JQs who are seniors, but outside of that, you know, all the other guys have plenty of eligibility. And so it's just like, come to the Hearns, watch the matches it there. They, and you will have a good time. Yeah. It feels like some momentum is really moving in, Mizzou's favor right now, even after a tough loss like this. So I think it's going to be really good. And, and you know, that exciting and young team doesn't just stop with guys in the room. Um, we actually are having a really successful season so far with recruiting, including one very impressive recruit from just this week. Yeah, so, you know, Mizzou just signed their 2023 class. It's pretty small right now. Mizzou has shown that they will absolutely sign guys later in the year if, if they pop up. Um, but 2024 recruits are already signing left and right. Uh, Coach Smith and, and the staff got a big one in Mac Mauger from Idaho a couple weeks ago. He's number 24 on the big board. But this week, uh, they got their highest ranked recruit since Keegan O'Toole in Aiden Sinclair. Um, Aiden Sinclair's, uh, he is a, another AWA guy, Ashkin Wrestling Kid. Just like Keegan and Mako. Yes, and he is a stud. He He's wrestling 195 pounds this season. He was at 182 before. He won far, He dominated in Fargo at, at the 1600 division. He teched his way through the whole tournament. He just made the finals at Super 32 before having an injury default. Um, he had a super dominant state title win as a sophomore and he is the number five pound or number five overall recruit pound for pound for the class of 2024. Um, you know, that connection to Askren wrestling Academy is super strong and he seems to have a really tight connection with Keegan. Uh, I've heard some interviews from this kid and he seems so smart. He seems so intellectual, very much like Keegan, just like a student of the sport, always wanting to learn, putting in hard work, um, and it works out really well because when he comes in, it will be Rocky senior year and then Sinclair could potentially redshirt. And then be the starter after, uh, Rocky graduates. Yeah. Um, but it just seems like, yeah, I've listened to some of those interviews as well. And just seems like that's the kind of guy that Mizzou can really push and elevate. And with it being such a high recruit, like I wonder if it's, you know, going to be another AWA success story and we'll have another national champ. I, I really think Sinclair, he's not super tall. He's only 5'10", so he's kind of short for the 197 division. But I think that with two years at 195 and with Askren, Ben Askren coaching him, he will develop and know his style so well and be so ready for college, just like a lot of their guys are. He is, I was so excited to get him personally, uh, he is one of my favorite like high school kids to watch just because he's aggressive. And like I said, he's one of those guys that even where he loses, it's like he's not going to make a mistake like that again. He's going to take so much from that loss. Um, and yeah, Mizzou does recruit guys like that where they, and I think Mizzou is 
in my opinion, one of the best schools at developing guys that are low in the rankings. They haven't had a whole lot of super highly ranked recruits. And the ones that they have have panned out. You know, you're talking about Jaden Cox, who was a top five guy. Keenan O'Toole is a top five guy. Rocky Elam was in the top 25. Past that, I think Josh Edmond was in the top 25. But past that, they don't really get top recruits until recently. And so with with two top 25 recruits for the class of 2024, it's like, how high can they go? Yeah, and I, I think the sky's the limit with this coaching staff and uh, the way that they recruit and bring guys in. They see, uh, you know, where potential holes might be in the future, um, and they work to fill those. But also, like you said, they're not afraid to, you know, develop a guy that they see potential in. And we've seen that time and time again where they've made success stories um, out of people that weren't that high in the ranking that end up coming to Mizzou. Oh, yeah. I think that Noah Certain, Alan Hart, Brock Mahler, um, I think a majority of the lineup outside of Keegan and Rocky uh, were outside the top 25, if not just outside the top 50, which, you know... When you're talking about wrestling that only has 80-some-odd programs, it's like the top 50 kind of is where the top guys end up. But Mizzou has done a great job of, of turning guys that sometimes aren't even in the rankings in high school to guys that become um, All-Americans. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's really exciting. Now, from looking into the future at 2023 and 2024, we'll reel it at, uh, in just a little bit and look into the future of the next couple days and what Mizzou's going to be uh, doing in their schedule coming up. Yes, so we are recording this on Friday, and so tomorrow on Saturday, the Lindenwood Open will be going on. Um, Lindenwood Open is always a super fun tournament. These open tournaments are pretty hit and miss, but this one tends to get a lot of good schools, a lot of D2, D3 schools. Um, Mizzou sends a ton of guys. Northern Iowa tends to send some guys. I know Oklahoma State has some guys going. We don't have like a full list of who's going exactly, but I do know that Hawks and Whiting are listed to go at least. Um, and then Keenan Hagerty, uh, the the new director of ops. Yes, he was talking about how they they have like twenty or thirty guys going. It sounds like just about everyone who didn't go to Arizona State is wrestling at this open. So hopefully there will be some good results there. We'll. We'll get some eyes on probably some of these freshmen using uh, in their redshirt year and see how they're developing early in the season and kind of go from there. Absolutely, yeah. The, I think it should be fun to watch. We'll see what comes out of it and hopefully be able to cover any uh, real highlights uh, for you guys on the next next episode. But then uh, Mizzou has a little bit of a break from uh, regular duels um, until they uh, go up against West Virginia. And we'll hopefully be able to give you a preview of that on a future episode of the pod. Yeah, that'll that they will kick off in conference duels with West Virginia at home. Um, another alumni duel, which was really great atmosphere last time. So really looking forward to that one. But yeah, I think that's the our first show. Thank you all for listening to the Tigers and Takedown podcast. Yeah, we're really excited to get this thing going. Hopefully, bring some more attention to Mizzou. Uh, we've talked about. Hopefully maybe getting some guests on in the future, kind of seeing where this goes. 
Yeah, and uh, please feel free to find either of us um, on Twitter or anywhere else and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to know what you guys want to hear more about, what you want to hear less about, um, or just any general feedback you have on the podcast. We're really excited to do this, um, and we're just really excited to give Mizzou some more coverage, um, whether you're a wrestling fan trying to learn more about Mizzou or a Mizzou fan trying to learn more about wrestling. Absolutely. And you know what we say? Mizzou is a wrestling school. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye.